Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Liz Aloza and I am joined by Dalton Del Don. How are you, big guy? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I am always doing well, especially two weeks before the season kicks off. There is some news. Let's get right to it. The Ringers' Mike Lombardi reported, and this is via Roto World, that the Packers have shopped Randall Cobb. Kind of a bombshell, although... I have to be honest, I don't really like to toot my own horn that often, but I've been saying throughout the summer that Ty Montgomery is going to be much more of a wide receiver this season than a running back and maintains an incredible value. I do see Montgomery being used in the Randall Cobb role. If Cobb, who has been hurt all summer and hasn't played yet this preseason, were to leave the squad, what say you, Dalton, are any of these rookies, Equinemia St. Brown or uh, Jake Kumaro, who... um, Aaron Rodgers seems to have a bromance budding with. Are any of these guys interesting to you now from a fantasy standpoint? Yeah, we'll see if this does come to fruition. Uh, I like the point you make about Ty Montgomery. Maybe that's secretly good news for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, meaning that they, uh, you know, it's just the two of them in the backfield there. Uh, yeah, the rookies, I, I would be lying if I said I've watched enough game tape in the preseason to tell you who's really stood out. But Geronimo Allison would probably be the guy that I would immediately bump up if this trade were to happen. But um, who knows? It's just speculation at this point. But definitely kind of surprising news at, at this point in summer. Absolutely agree. I mean, again, I'm not a big GMO believer. I do think he is probably going to be the Packers wide receiver three, but he's also not been 100% healthy. Right now, Ty Montgomery, and because he does offer that positional flexibility, is in 12-team leagues going about the middle of the ninth round. He's the 42nd running back off the board. There's incredible value there. I think you can definitely use him as your wide receiver three slash flex, even if Cobb stays on the squad, because clearly he is not right. He was in a walking boot earlier this right. summer. Yeah, and that's a good point, too. And obviously, just an Aaron Rodgers-led offense, if he's back to healthy, you just want as many ties as possible. So Montgomery, definitely, I could see his ADP uh, rising with this news. Yeah, and I just want to add, too, Equinemia St. Brown, who is a rookie I like in Dynasty or Keeper formats uh, for the long term. I don't see him as a slot guy. He's a long, tall specimen out of Notre Dame. He needs some yoga in his life because his reach just isn't quite enough for me. But I do think... If there is a a receiver outside of Allison that I was going to bank on, it would be uh, um, 
Equinemius St. Brown. So that's it for the Packers. Actually, I have one more question for you because I've gotten this question a lot on Twitter and I'm sure you have as well. Are you digging the Jimmy Graham, Aaron Rodgers connection and have you moved Graham up in your rankings anymore since the second preseason showing? Not really. In fact, I included Graham in my latest uh, bust for every team piece. Uh, Last year, his 5.4 yards per target was the fifth worst among tight ends over the past decade. If he's just not going to be peppered with historically high red zone numbers, and it may happen, obviously, as I just said, tight Aaron Rodgers is, is a good thing. It's possible he'll just score another 10 touchdowns. It won't matter if the yardage isn't there. But uh, the, the Packers typically have not thrown to the tight end whatsoever. Now, you could argue that they have never had Jimmy Graham, but this isn't the Jimmy Graham in his prime. This is a guy toward the latter stage of his career, if not the end. So to me, especially based on his ADP, Jimmy Graham is a stay away. Easily, I would easily rather Trey Burton or, or George Kittle. No, no question. Well, I, I dig that you like the value there. I don't agree with you. He's my tight end five. I think he could look like uh, not totally end of career Antonio Gates but last third of the career of Antonio Gates he doesn't need to move that well to catch touchdowns in the end zone from Aaron Rodgers and he's coming off double digit touchdown season so we're split on that one I definitely see your point though if you're leaning into value Trey Burton especially with Adam Shaheen backed banged up does present some intriguing value let's move along to another news piece the Miami Herald's Armando Salguero reports that Frank Gore and Kenyon Drake will quote both play a lot. Now, Drake has been on my bus list for quite a while. What are your thoughts um, on this on this situation, which it seems to be shaping up to be much more of an RBBC than fantasy footballers had anticipated or hoped for? I think we differ here as well, because I absolutely love Drake. Man, ranked first in yards per carry after contact last season, second in elusive rating, second in breakaway percentage, fifth in blast blocking efficiency. He just looks like a stud. I don't know what reason, whatever the reason it took Miami so long to get him on the field. Frank Gore, are you kidding me? I think actually that's the best uh, RB2 situation in fantasy because a 35-year-old with 3,200 career carries, that's the competition I want. So Kenyon Drake, I I love him. I have him what is my, uh, I think I have him as my 14th uh, running back right now. So I, 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 I love, I love this news because if people are buying into a committee with Frank Gore, uh, please uh, give me all the Drake shares. Well, I think there's also uh, Kalen Balage, the rookie, is also there. Now, he's had a horrible, he's driven the struggle bus the entire summer, right? His camp has been bad. I believe he also was concussed recently. But the problem with Drake to me is that, yes, he was slippery. You mentioned the metrics, his juke rate, breakaway runway, right? All of those were incredible, except... He had one good month. His December was amazing. He's not built to be an every down back. I don't think that Gase and company would have added Gore if they trusted Drake's durability near the goal line, especially. And Balaj, frankly, is a better pass catcher. You can read more about this in my All Avoid Team article, which is posting later this week on Yahoo Sports, because spoiler, Drake is one of those running backs listed. But You know, Dalton has him RB14. You can read our stuff, decide who uh, you're going to lean on, or maybe just avoid this backfield altogether, given the news. I'd also say just in that tier, everyone has question marks, especially with touches like Jordan Howard, Jay Ajayi, Derrick Henry, uh, McCoy. Uh, So there's a lot of question marks in that area. And I I, I hear you about Drake, and because he hasn't done it before, uh, certainly uh, it's not the safest pick, especially as aggressively as I have him ranked. All right. Well, one thing that we can both agree on is that 
football season is coming, which means it is time to draft your Yahoo Fantasy Football team. And there's no better day than National Draft Day, which this year falls on August 26th. That is the time to get the league together. Sign up now and get your draft on at yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Dalton, um, I feel like you don't really chat with me on social media that often. Really? Is that, I'm not that much of a social media guy on Twitter. You know, I, I link out my, my columns and whatnot, but I need to do it more. Uh, I don't know. You, you think, uh, what, what's my problem? Why, why don't I do it more? I mean, there are a lot of reasons that I think you don't do it more. And if you're asking me for your problems, I think we should probably have a private discussion. Oh, yeah. No, 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 no. We can't air that. No, no, no. We can't air that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I apologize and I'll, I will try to do it more in the future. I'm just saying that of all of the people on our squad, on our crew, you are more than welcome to at me. And I've gotten silence from you. So obviously that feeling is reciprocated. <laughs> but I will say for our followers and listeners, thank you when our Yahoo Fantasy Sports handle sends out the at me questions for replying because it gives us an opportunity to see what questions you're asking and hopefully answer them and the same questions that other uh, fantasy footballers are asking. I'm going to start with this one from Michael Stepney. It's at mstepney seventy. One, despite the saying everyone is draftable depending on cost, is there someone you're absolutely positively not drafting for the 2018 season? Who's that guy for you, Dalton? Do you have one? Yeah, I thought of a couple guys that LaShawn McCoy is there, Lamar Miller, Larry Fitzgerald, but I'm actually going to go with Rob Gronkowski, even though he's like one of my favorite players in the NFL. I mean, he's just such a obviously fun interview and a fun fantasy player to own. But the guy is still costing a second round draft pick. So it's just it's just cost for me. He has not played 16 games in a season since 2011. So, you know, you factor that in over the last five years, you're left with a tight end who's averaged 57 catches and 844 yards per year. I mean, again, I, lo I love him. He he's fun, but he's approaching 30. And to me, the Patriots are just far more concerned with keeping him healthy for the playoffs than him playing another 16 games. So it's Gronk for me. I love that. I think he would be a slow starter as well. And he is not actually my tight end one, which shocks a lot of people. So we have found some agreement somewhere. I, you mentioned LaShawn McCoy. That's a guy for me. Let's forget about the, well, not forget about it, but separate for a moment from the off the field issues. He's a, he's entering his age 30 season. Now this is traditionally, despite the fact that he's been so consistent, the cliff, if you will, for people who play at the position, his value is interesting. He's the RB 16, but still I don't want any piece of him. Jarek McKinnon and Joe Mixon are two players going around the same time that I think are just part of more explosive offenses, frankly, that I'm more interested in getting a piece of. And so I'd rather have one of those options than McCoy, who again, at his advanced age and given the lack of weapons that, Buffalo has currently offensively I think he's going to see a lot of stacked boxes and that's going to be tough I mean especially in Orchard Park it gets chilly and I don't know how those 30 year old bones stand up to the to the cold McCoy's 30 years old coming off a season in which he had 371 touches it's his first season in which he played 16 games since 2014 mind you 55th out of 60 qualified running backs in yards per carry after contact so in other words I'm completely with you here definitely an argument the Bills have the worst offensive situation around him he's even said he wants to lessen his workload a little 
to, to lengthen his career. So, yeah, I'm with you. I'm actually shocked his ADP is where it's at. So I can guarantee you McCoy will not end up on, on any of my fantasy teams. And we went through all that. We didn't even mention the fact that it's possible a, a league suspension is still looming as well. Yeah, I mean... There are plenty of reasons not to draft him. Let's leave it at that. Andrew Luck is also someone that's not going to be on my squad. Not that I don't think he has the ability to get back to where he was, but because the position is so stinking deep, I don't need to take that gamble. Why do I need to pick Andrew Luck in the eighth round when I could wait a bit and get Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford or our mutual fantasy crush, Jimmy Garoppolo, whose ADP has plummeted much to my delight. Yep, totally agree. I could say that about 10 or 15 quarterbacks as well. All right, so we're in agreement there. All right, see, now we got off to a little bit of a rocky start, but we're working through our issues. We're communicating. That's what all of this is about. Let's talk about biggest preseason risers because Adrian Charlie, at Adrian underscore Charlie, wants to know who are your biggest risers at each position for the preseason. Why don't you start with running backs? Okay, running back, this one to me jumped out. It was a, a two, two guys, Chris Carson and Peyton Barber. I mean, those guys just started very, very lower compared to where they are now. Those guys, when I gazed it as I looked at this question, those guys have quite clearly were the two that jumped out ahead because I'm actually drafting them ahead of their, their rookie counterpoints at, at this stage, uh, and that was obviously far different a, a month ago. Oh, Dalton, now we, now we have to be having another dust-up? You're going to throw Ronald Jones in my face like that? Uh, I mean, listen, I, I, I'm normally the guy who's all about upside, and those guys have the pedigrees and whatnot, but, man, it's tough to, at this point, Peyton Barber's just going to see the field. Ronald Jones, when his own coach is, like, saying, hey, I guess that's why they never threw him passes at USC. I mean, that's a problem when your own coach is completely mocking you like that. So, hey, I, I could be wrong. It's not like Peyton Barber has a ton of upside. Like, don't get me wrong. But but him and Carson are, are the guys that have moved up. But uh, so, sorry to say, I know, I know you're a, you're a Jones lover. Well, I have slid him down in my rankings, and we discussed it on the pod earlier this week, so I don't want to belabor the point. But I hear you, I understand you, and I begrudgingly agree with you. I have on Johnson as a riser in my ranks. I think he's been incredible. You know, I was riding the Darius Geis hype train for as long as I could until it was tragically and unexpectedly derailed. Now I am all about the rookie in Motor City. I, I just think what I've seen him do in the preseason looks incredible. Yes, I knew about the power and the vision and the balance. I didn't expect the stiff arms and the spin moves. His pad level, it's not ideal, right? But it has worked out for Jordan Howard. And I think when you look at the upgrades to the offensive line, the center that they drafted and the downfield weapons with Kenny Galladay in the mix, you know, I'm high on him. I, I think that there will be enough field stretching to cause holes for carry on Johnson to to be an every down back. And he also has really good hands. So I know we always think of like Theo Riddick as this slot receiver third down option, but Carrion Johnson can catch. LeGarrett Blunt, not so much. And Blunt, what he's like, like the luck has run out. He's the luckiest man in the league. He's got three rings. Sure, he's going to poach a couple of goal line looks from Johnson, but I don't think that that's enough to sway me from Johnson, from believing in Johnson as a top 25 option. Completely agree. I said the same thing on this pod last week with Johnson. He was buried uh, among the running backs on my rankings uh, when I started, and now he's third in the borderline. I'm, 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 he's inching closer to being a top 25 fantasy RB uh, for me right now, so I'm totally in agreement there. Um, I'm going to go with wide receiver to begin. It's Mike Williams. Dude is built like a tight end, and the Chargers are missing 
both of their tight ends. Antonio Gates hasn't been resigned, and Hunter Henry's gone for the season. We saw in the end zone in the second preseason game what Mike Williams can do. Phillip Rivers has enough arm strength left to make it happen. I think he is probably going to lose out in tar- on t- like in terms of volume. He's going to be targeted behind Keenan Allen and Ty Ty Williams, but they are going to make uh, the the coaching staff here. I think is going to make him a priority in the red area of the field. I loved what he did in the preseason showing, and I think he has a six or seven touchdown season easily in his reach. Yeah, I agree. Love Mike Williams and the Chargers just constantly suffer. It seems like they suffer a major injury on defense every other practice. And it wasn't that long ago that Keenan Allen was one of the most injury prone players in football. For me at wide receiver, uh, I went with Chris Hogan. Uh, The more you look at it, I mean, Edelman suspended four games, Amendola gone, Cooks gone. Uh, The aforementioned Gronk, uh, I'm guessing, is going to miss a handful of games. Hogan was top 10 in PPR leagues before suffering injury last year. Um, I've moved him into my top 20 this year. I just love the setup. He looks so good in the preseason. Maybe I'm just falling for that, and who knows if he can stay healthy uh, carrying a number one workload. But I see a career high in targets pretty easily if he does stay healthy in, in that offense with Brady. Hogan's shot up my draft board. I agree. I mean, this is a guy, remember a couple of weeks ago, I said I was having trouble ranking Corey Davis and Chris Hogan because I wanted to believe in Corey Davis, but Chris Hogan to me was looking like such an awesome floor play. I had to scooch him up. So I actually almost mentioned him in this segment, So, but I didn't. I went with Williams instead. So I'm glad you did. Could not agree more on that one. At tight end, this is one I'm surprised by because uh, I'm not like a Jake Doyle believer necessarily. He's everybody's favorite dad. I don't actually know if he's a dad, but if ever there was like a tight end dad now that Jason Witten has retired, it is uh, Jack Doyle rather. And so... He has moved up. I mean, like, he is out-snapping Eric Ebron by a 65% margin. Yes, that is just the preseason, but I have never believed in Ebron. I was a little curious about Jack Doyle's ability when Ebron was traded from the Lions to the Colts. Um, But he and Luck have a connection. I think Luck coming off of a lost season is going to be skittish in moments because even though the team has added Quentin Nelson, there are still O-line problems and he's going to need a security blanket. And the rapport that he has with Doyle continues to shine. I've moved Doyle up into my top 10. Yeah. And if you were to ask me this for quarterback, I was going to say Andrew Luck and it's just purely because of the health, you know, so, uh, so that goes right with Doyle himself. So he has moved up as well. So all those guys, T.Y. Hilton, the Colts, I know Luck didn't look great in the last preseason game, but with him looking like he's good to go, uh, agree with you there with Doyle. For tight end for me, it's kind of an obvious one, but Trey Burton, I mean, I moved him in as as high as number five because I, you know, I said uh, the, the Graham, uh, concerns and you know Rudolph uh, he just doesn't have that much upside given his situation in the defense and the best two wide receivers there so I just am going to swing for the fences with Burton and how he's going to clearly be utilized in that coaching scheme uh, looks like he's going to get uh, a ton of opportunities I would say he's going to get the opportunities now that Adam Shaheen is banged up but I don't think those are foregone and I actually am surprised that you're so low on Kyle Rudolph because the John Filippo factor is huge for me when ranking Rudolph let's not forget that um, oh, what was his name? He's out of the league now in the Cleveland Browns. Um, Barnage? Gary yes, Barnage? Gary Barnage had a career season while DiFilippo was the OC in Cleveland. And I feel like that could very well happen for Kyle Rudolph. In fact, I know I remember when Kirk Cousins was first throwing 
uh, to Kyle Rudolph, he said it was like throwing into a mattress, which just is really lovely and cousins uh, to me. Like, that's something that I think he would say. So I actually have uh, Kyle Rudolph fairly high in my rankings. I think I have him tight end six or seven. Yeah, Rudolph could easily score 10 touchdowns given that team's a lot of scoring opportunities. But I mean, last year's 532 yards were actually his second highest of his career. I could just see Burton, you know, just going off, just a higher ceiling being like a feature. I mean, who knows if Allen Robinson, what do we make of him? He's coming off a major injury in a new system, and he has one good year in his entire career resume. So I, I just I just like the upside more of a Burton, but I hear you with Rudolph. And of course, he's going to be very, very much a monster in the red zone. Burton has the ceiling 100%. And if you are looking for an exciting player, I think Burton is it. So I I, I hear you on that one. Um, I just don't like people. I think, I think Kyle Rudolph is like this. He's perennially looked over, and I can't quite figure out why. But at least we agree that he is also a potential uh top what top seven talent sure the tds could be there for sure there's no question about it all right so last quick question from bob gilchrist at rb gilchrist what are you doing with the seventh pick in a half point 12 team i assume that's half point ppr 12 team league knowing two of the following four will be available Alvin kamara saquon barkley antonio brown and deandre hopkins so again you have the seventh pick, and you know, I don't know how you know, because this seems crazy to me, that two of at least Kamara, Barkley, Brown, and Hopkins will be available. Uh, I would take them in that order. Kamara, Barkley, Brown, and Hopkins. I'm big on those running backs. Uh, those top, I have them as seven uh, running backs on the top of my board, and then I go to the, the wide receivers, Brown. I could obviously see taking Brown ahead of them since he's the safest. I have no problem with that, but for me, it's the order in which you listed. Kamara, Barkley, Brown, Hopkins. What about yourself, Liz? I have it slightly tweaked. I would say Antonio Brown, then Saquon Barkley, then Alvin Kamara, then Nuke, closing things out. But that's because I'm leading with a wide receiver in the, like at the seventh pick. If I know I can get two of these guys, basically, if you can get two of these guys, um, well, I guess knowing that two of the four would be available. So here's an interesting question then. Which would you rather have at the seventh pick in the first round, knowing how the rest of the draft has fallen when you've mocked from that position? Would you rather take the running back early or would you rather take the wide receiver early? Yeah, so, so just mainly I'm concerned of getting one of those those eight running backs, and I include Kareem Hunt. So, but, but, so, sorry, seven running backs. So uh, that usually drops, makes me safe with eight because Brown goes. So simple as that, I just kind of want a top eight pick th- this year. It's, you know, I think you're right. So I would actually, I, I would switch it because I think I, I like Barkley ahead of Kamara by one place. But yes, I would aim for either Barkley or Kamara if it's down to two. All right. So we agree that you want to get one of those top running backs in the first round because of the scarcity at the position. For sure. All right. With that, you know, we're talking about the scarcity of the running back position, but there are a lot of muddy backfields throughout the NFL. And that's what makes those top eight RBs so valuable. Our colleagues, Andy Barons and Brad Evans, decided to dig into this RBBC conundrum. Brad Evans here alongside Sir Andrew Barons. I love that you've knighted me. Sir. I loved it. Yes, I didn't clip uh, your ear with a blade, though. <laughs> like in King Ralph, if you remember that movie with John Goodman back in the 80s. 
Uh, but we're going to talk uh, some split backfields, some complicated messes that are going on in fantasy. And there are a ton of them, really, to be honest right. with you. Uh, we, you uh, and I just recently participated in the King's Classic in Canton, Ohio, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame inaugural event uh, that I co-founded with Bob Long. How great was the Hall of Fame, by the way? Amazing. Um, they, they were great hosts. It's an awesome place. If people haven't been there, they should. And Dan Fouts' beard bronzed. Oh, it was mesmerizing. Yeah. That that Earl Campbell bus was awesome. The Kevin Green was amazing. Walter Payton did not look like Walter Payton. Not exactly. No. <laughs> it wasn't quite sweetness for my like my one of my high school PE teachers, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not a, a fair uh, resemblance. It but wasn't it was, quite Ronaldo level. What it, it was a great day, though. That was an awesome day. It was a lot of fun. So uh, we're going to throw out some dollar values from the auction that you and I participated in in the Jim Brown division of the Kings Classic. Let's start off in the Twins 2 backfield of the Tennessee Titans. you got Schwarzenegger, that's Derrick Henry, right. and DeVito and Deion <laughs> Lewis. Uh, Derrick Henry went for $19, and guess what? Deion Lewis also went for $19. What do you make of this backfield in terms of average draft position right now on Yahoo? They're separated by about 15 picks with Henry going a little bit higher. So I, I will say that I was in on the on the Derrick Henry bidding. Um, I think I was in very early on the Deion Lewis bidding, but I, I'm, I'm really warming to Henry, um, mostly because I am enthusiastic about this offense. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about at several uh, different points in the in the preseason is Matt LaFleur's effect on this LeFleur? offense, right? Le Fleur. Le Fleur. Uh, that means the Fleur in French. Uh, <laughs> those of you who, who don't speak the language. Um, <laughs> I think it's pretty exciting. Like last two seasons, Matt LaFleur, um, the teams that he's been associated with, either as a position coach or an offensive coordinator, have led the NFL in scoring. The last two quarterbacks he's been associated with have led the NFL in yards per completion. I think this is going to be a really fun offense. And when it's a really fun offense, I want the I want the goal line guy. It's not to say that I don't think Deion Lewis is going to see the ball near the goal line because he was good there for New England last year. It's not it's not like it's absolutely his game. Yes. But I think there is a, a non-trivial chance that Derrick Henry scores like 12 touchdowns, um, and that that'll play in any format. Uh, I know we haven't seen him as a particularly active receiver, but I, I really think the touchdown upside is is tremendous here. Um, I think they're both going to see a lot of work, like uh, PPR format, like the Kings Classic. Lewis is a totally safe play. Um, I like the upside with Henry. My favorite statistic uh, from Pro Football Focus that was tracked last year, Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis are the uh, exact identical yards after contact per attempt. Huh, love it. 3.2. That was top three at the position. It's extraordinary considering how different a size and stature these two running backs are. I will disagree with you on one point. I think uh, the touchdown total is going to be relatively close. What you've seen so far in the preseason, they have been rotated, interchanged inside the red zone. I think they're very efficient. It's going to be one of those kind of hot hand situations, or it could go series by series or just matchup based. There could be some semblances to the New England offense in a way with these two attacks. They are, they are so well paired stylistically. Like I just yeah. like that when, it, when a team is smart enough to add one player that really complements another really well. And it should be a top 10 run blocking offensive line. Right, well. right. Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of the Patriots, let's talk about that jumbled backfield. Uh, Rex Burkhead, Sony Michelle, James White, who's caught 116 balls combined in the last couple of years at a huge preseason week two game, and Jeremy Hill, who's still ticking for some reason. 
Uh, Rex went for 10 bucks. Michelle went for nine. White, five. And Hill for un dollar. How do you see this shaking out? Yeah, it's funny. Sometimes with situations like this, um, you know, on a lesser team, we could say just avoid it altogether. But the Patriots are going to average like 30 points a game. You can't, you can't avoid this situation. And they're probably going to produce more than one, maybe, maybe as many as three, ownable, startable fantasy backs in any given week, right, for flex spots and all that. Um, I've got Burkhead ranked higher than the others. I, I think Jeremy Hill is just free. I mean, he's been bad. He was bad, right? He was bad in Cincinnati. I don't think he's a particularly special runner. There's a chance that Jeremy Hill... He has a Gillisley game and then doesn't yeah, see the field again. That, well, that's possible, too. <laughs> but there's also just a chance that, he, you know, he's the guy that they want plunging into the end zone from the one, right? Right. Um, so there's a path there for him to score 10 touchdowns. Now, he may score those in, like, four games and not help you in the least bit anywhere else, but he's just free right now. So you can get him at the back end of drafts. You can get him in the free agent pool. Uh, Burkhead, to me, is still the guy to own because he's active as a receiver. He's probably going to see 10, 12 touches a game. Really like him. Uh, I agree. Uh, I'm going to rubber stamp that uh, Rex endorsement. Uh, he's the guy to target uh, around pick 60, 65 overall, especially in a half point or full point PPR league. Remember, he was RB 11 weeks 8 through 14 last year. Sonny Michelle's a wild card because we haven't seen him really uh, yeah. at all because of the knee issue, though he could be a hammer between the 20s for this team. And James White could start off hot because Julian Edelman's out. And yeah, you can see call. an increase in targets from him. And a guy that perennially is inside the top 35, 36, the running back position in full point PPR leagues. Again, 116 combined catches the last two years. All right, let's go to Green Bay. Um, let's uh, devour some cheese curds here and these running backs as well. We've got uh, Aaron Jones, uh, Jamal Williams, and Ty Montgomery. Uh, Jamal led the way at the Kings Classic, close to a $10 buy. It was at 8 bucks. Jones was 5 bucks, And then Ty was just a $2 purchase in our auction draft. Right. Uh, what do you make of this? I mean, Jones suspended the first two games of the regular season, but it's who are they playing? Chicago and Minnesota, I believe, to open the regular season. A couple of difficult matches with the Packers. Uh, first of all, you know who loves cheese curds is our producer, Brandon Velasky. Big fan. Velasky! Um, every time I've been to a restaurant with him, I feel like a little marinara. A bowl or two of Delicious. cheese curds. Um, th this is one where, I, even though it's, a, it's probably going to be a great offense, I do feel like you can steer clear of the Packers because I'm not sure that any running back is going to be the focus when they get in goal-to-go situations, right? Like, they have two of the great red zone receivers in all of football. In, in, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy, in Jimmy Graham and Devontae Adams, Adams, right? Yeah. So I think it's going to be still an Aaron Rodgers-focused offense when they get near the goal line. Um, Williams has the job right now. Like, he's basically been the, the number one throughout the preseason. Two games can be an eternity for Aaron Jones. It's just a long time to wait. Like, it's a long time to wait for a player who's not guaranteed anything. And, like, let's say you start 0-1-1 and you've got Aaron Jones on your bench. You're dropping him. He's your first drop of the season. Um, he was the better player last year, but Williams has the job, and that's where I'm going. Don't make uh, the mistake of cutting him loose, because Aaron Jones is going to be the main man in short order. Jamal Williams is a jag. He's just a guy. 2.3 okay. yards after contact per attempt. That was outside the top 50, the running back position. Doesn't make a whole lot of guys miss. A 10.7 missed tackle percentage last season. Barf! I will take Aaron Jones... <laughs> who was much better in both of those categories. And really, to be honest, the best value here is Ty Montgomery. Right. I, I would agree with that, for sure. Ty Montgomery going later than any of them. And Ty Montgomery, we think, has a receiving role that's going to be profitable. Average draft position right around 120 overall in average Yahoo drafts. Great stuff, Andy Barons. All right, Liz, back to you.
Thank you so much, Brad. It was a pleasure hearing your voice from all the way in Denver. I didn't have to adjust my volume a single bit. And I apologize to our engineer who is editing this. Um, Dalton, let's talk about quarterbacks. Which quarterback has been the hardest for you to rank? We've discussed wide receivers. We discussed running backs that have been tough to rank. But what about the signal callers? All right. Well, I could say Carson Wentz because obviously there's a, a lot of uh, variance with him. He might not be ready week one. Could go crazy on the defending Super Bowl champs, you know, in that offense, that system. Could say Jimmy G because, well, that's for personal reasons. So we won't get into that. But I will say uh, Jared Goff because on, on one hand, he, had, he got 8.0 YPA last year. There's the Sean McVay factor. They added Brandon Cooks. But on the other hand, I'm not totally sold on him. I mean, eight of his touchdowns last year came behind, were thrown behind the line of scrimmage. How sustainable is that? They want to win on defense with defense and just totally riding Todd Gurley. So I can see both sides to this. You know, is he just a, and if he's just the product of the system, that's fine, fantasy terms. But but maybe with more film on him, he's exposed, or maybe he just becomes totally a monster in in year three. So for me, it's Jared Goff. What about yourself? So it's interesting you said Jared Goff because I keep flip-flopping Jared Goff and Marcus Mariota in my rankings. One week, they're 13-14, then it's, you know, then I flip them. But basically, I'm trying to decide uh, whether Goff is one spot ahead of Mariota or not. And right now, today... It will probably change again because I'm admitting this is a hard player for me to rank or, or pair of players for me to rank. Um, I have Goff one spot ahead of Mariota. My issue with Mariota is, yes, he has the tools. Yes, he's, you know, one of the, quote, most coachable players in the league. And, yes, he's got the tools. Like, Corey Davis, if he stays healthy, should be incredible. Um Taiwan Taylor looks like he could be legit. You've got Derrick Henry in the backfield. Deion Lewis is an amazing pass catching back. And the offensive scheme has changed. There's no more exotic smash mouth. Now it's Matt LaFleur's offense. And Matt LaFleur has studied under and worked under both Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay. So you love the coaching tree there. But the problem with that is what? What do Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay have in common? They have a really complex playbook, one that is hard to digest. We've, You and I have talked about it before. Matt Ryan had a horrible time getting used to Kyle Shanahan's playbook. That's why part of the reason why both you and I are so high on Jimmy G, because he was able to process it so quickly. So the question is, can Marcus Mariota process it and change his fundamentals, which LaFleur has admitted to wanting to work on. You know, LaFleur has talked about wanting to widen Mariota's base, which he believes will add more zip to the deep ball for Mariota and improve his arm strength and accuracy and evolve his passing game. That's a lot to do in a relatively short amount of time. So can the engine turn over for Mariota in 2018? Or is this one of those, you know, we got to wait another year for him to develop? I definitely see the upside with Marcus Mariota, as you laid out. But uh, I'll, I'll highlight the negatives because I'm more more down on him, I'd say. Uh, Delaney Walker, 34 years old. Corey Davis, I love the idea of him. I mean, I like the pedigree, but I'm, I'm sure he's shined in practice. But I mean, we haven't seen it yet, and he's still missing missing time uh, recently as last week. Uh, speaking of missing time, Rashard Matthews. We don't even know. Such a weird team option he signed. Like, maybe he's really worried about his health. Uh, Dion Lewis. 
he has more uh, career fumbles than he does uh, games in which he has 20 carries. So, I mean, he's, he's extremely injury prone. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot of question marks. And I, I, I do like the system. But even if all things go, go right health-wise, that in itself might just take a year to get accustomed to. So, I'm kind of down on Mariota. So, you're down on Mariota. But where do you have him in relation to Goff? A couple of spot, is Goff a, spot, a couple of spots ahead of Mariota then? Yeah, Goff is a few spots ahead and much more likely to be 10 spots ahead in my rankings. Goff, I'm more likely to rank top 10 than I would be Mariota. Yeah, just, I'm looking at it now. Dalton has Marcus Mariota as his QB 19. I have him as my QB 13. Jared Goff is your QB 16 and my QB 14. Oh, so I guess I... And I, like I said, and I'm closer to moving Goff way up though. So that's the thing. Like I I feel like 16 is too low. So that's why I picked him. Yeah, you're going to come up to my 14. Um, I just can't shake the upside of Marcus Mariota. But like I said, and I feel like I, I preach this every season, evolution takes time. And I think the problem with Mariota is that we've been waiting for him to finally turn over and it just hasn't happened. So there's some fatigue setting in. So... And I, and I know he ran, like, he ran like crazy in college, too. So I definitely recognize the fantasy upside for sure. Let's unleash him. We want to unleash. And in fact, that's what we did for this pod. We hope you enjoyed it. Now we are going to run our way out of it. Remember to sign up for our game. Go to yahoo.com slash fantasy football. Make sure to participate in National Draft Day, August 26th. It is such a great day to bring all of the fantasy football love together. Spread the word on social media. Follow our individual handles. I'm Liz Loza underscore FF. He is Dalton Del Don. Give him your handle. At Dalton Del Don. And of course, you want to make sure to follow the Yahoo Fantasy handle, which is at Yahoo Fantasy. And... Lastly, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a nice rating, leave us a nice review, and know that karmically we are thanking you. We out, win big.